Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. Friday sneaks up on us again. Hello, everybody. I'm Don McDonald. This is the Talking Real Money Friday question, answer, and sometimes comment edition of the program. This is the podcast that we devote to you. We always try to help you in every show or podcast we do directly uh, when you call us or you send your questions in at TalkingRealMoney.com on the contact form. And Friday is the day when we just do Q&A NC. Q&A, though, primarily. Uh, And today we've got four questions lined up for you, with the first one actually being uh, uh, not a question, it's a comment. Hello, Ron and John. I mean, Don and Tom. Um, Just got a general comment. Um, I've worked for three companies in my life, and all of them uh, use Fidelity. And so everything I have is all in Fidelity. It's kind of nice, and I like their website. Um, so I've got my current 401k there. I've got, I've got a Roth IRA, IRA there, traditional IRA. Um, I've got two old defined benefit pensions there. I have my, uh, credit card there, a fidelity credit card, and it dumps a 2% cash into my brokerage account. I got a brokerage account there. And when I rebalance my 401k, I just go in, I click a couple buttons, say rebalance back to my original percents and go in the next day and everything's rebalanced right exactly to, you know, back to the original percents. Um, When I have to rebalance my Roth IRA and my traditional IRA, I have to go in and sell a little bit of this and buy a little bit of the other, um, you know, ETF. And, And recently... On the Roth IRA, I wanted to um, swap out uh, my small uh, small cap value. I had uh, VBR, uh, Vanguard. And uh, after listening to you guys, uh, I looked at AVUV, and I'm like, really nice fun, or uh, ETF. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to swap out that one on my percentage. Um, so I sold the VBR. I bought the AVUV. And then I had to adjust my other funds in there back to their percent. And when I do that, I mean, it's a it's a process of buying and selling and it, everything goes into this like a pending activity settlement account. And yeah, it's just kind of a pain. Um, and then it takes like two or three days for that pending account to go, kind of go away. And then I look at it and I get it pretty close back to the my percentages that I want. But it just seems like it's an opportunity maybe for the industry on the Roth, on the IRAs to maybe just say, I want to, I want to rebalance this account to this percent of this ETF and this percent of this ETF, kind of like we do with the 401ks, hit the button and, you know, the next day everything is <clears throat> rebalanced, you know, so it doesn't treat it like a brokerage account. It kind of treats it like a 401k. So just thought it might be <clears throat> opportunity for the industry, but wanted to get your thoughts on it. Um, not a huge deal, but uh, it's, I, I, I do like fidelity. It's kind of cool. I mean, you know, uh, basically I go into that account and my whole financial life is boom right there. So, uh, so that's it. Thanks for taking my call. All right. Bye. This would be a wonderful uh, thing for any brokerage firm to put into place for all their accounts. It would just really be nice right now. It's primarily the purview of robo advisors, but I think with the, 
with the ubiquitous the ubiquitousness <laughs> with the with the popularity and the the uh, commoditization of AI uh, that this is going to be something that everybody can implement pretty darn simply because it's simple math. It's just moving them back to their original positions. So I think it's a terrific idea. It's great that Fidelity offers that for their 401k clients. I do find it a bit of a pain to do it manually, and uh, but uh, uh, advisors will help. Robo-advisors can help, and eventually it'll probably just be standard equipment on most brokerage platforms, just like Zero commissions are the norm. So, uh, yeah, I think it'll happen. I think it's a great idea. Thanks for sharing it with us. And now, now, questions. Here's a question. Hi, this is Jonathan from Marietta, Georgia. I would like to know what, if anything, would cause you to reassess your recommendations for international diversification in the equity portion of a portfolio, given factors such as much slower GDP growth in the EU, Japan, Korea, etc., and that those nations have elderly populations much below replacement birth rates, and other serious long-term problems, why not invest in, say, VTI over VT and essentially bet on America? I know past results are not indicative of future ones, but VTI has averaged 12.3% returns over the last 10 years compared to VT's 8.9% or 3.5% per year. Now that's talking real money. And 60% of VT is essentially VTI, meaning that international holdings or even more of a drag on performance than one might think. Bonus, lower management fees on VTI. I would love to hear your thoughts on reassessing international diversification. Thanks. We're never going to change our opinion on international diversification because we don't try to think about the reasons for international diversification or the reasons against it. It's not an argument for or against. We just want to own. Here's our goal. It's It's just so simple. We want to be the market. We don't want to beat the market. We just want to be the market, the global market. But as human beings, we want to overthink things. That's one of the detriments of this gigantic brain we have between our ears. It's sitting around there going, I got to overthink this. I really need, yeah, no, that that could be problematic. Um, We don't believe in doing that because... We know, based on the past, that surprises have occurred. Um, One of the big ones was the surprise of the lost decade from 2000 to 2010, when the U.S. market, almost the entire U.S. equity market, lost money over an an entire decade. You you, you look at Europe now and you go, it's underperforming. Asia, underperforming. The U.S., well... Europe and Asia didn't just outperform the U.S., they walloped the U.S. in that decade. And if it wasn't for your global portfolio, you would not likely have made money on a diversified portfolio, in a diversified U.S. portfolio in that period of time, even a diversified one. As a matter of fact, um, you, there, you were positive if you had uh, a global portfolio. It was decently positive. So, no, we'll, ne- we'll never change it because we're not trying to analyze where you should invest. We There's no analysis in what we do. None. There's no analysis. There's science. There's data. There's statistics. But we don't analyze macro or microeconomics, uh, companies' 
situations, the sectors, and what they might or might not do, because what we're doing is always looking in the rearview mirror, which really doesn't tell you anything except about what was in the rearview mirror. We don't know what's going to happen. All we know is that had you invested globally over the past 30, 40, 50 years, for as long as we have international records, you would have made decent money. You would have made the money that the market makes, which is what we want to. We don't want to beat the market. We just want to be the market. Be the market. If you have questions, send them in. TalkingRealMoney.com. Speak them in. TalkingRealMoney.com. Call them in. 855-935-TALK. 855-935-8255. And here is the next one. Hi, I was wondering if you could help me with the decision that I'm uh, looking at. I have about $250,000 uh, in 10-year uh, treasuries that have dropped, dropped significantly in value. And I was wondering if there was any merit to um, selling those and investing those in like a one-year CD just to pick up the 5% that's available now to help uh, with some of the losses I have or whether I would be better to just keep it in the uh, intermediate treasury that I have. And we don't need the money now and are in no need of it in uh, the future. It's just uh, part of my balanced portfolio. So I was wondering if there is any merit in uh, selling that off and moving it over and then moving it back to the treasuries uh, when my one year expires. And uh, if that doesn't make sense or it does make sense, let me know. Thank you. Oh, your market timing. Oh, again, back to the big brain thing. We we just well look at that. That was down. I was wrong. I, I I should do something about it now. Well, no, because it's down already. You can't make it undown. Those securities are down. They were longer term securities. We have been proponents of well diversified portfolios of short to intermediate, not just intermediate, short to intermediate securities. Because you run the gamut. You can hold on to those longer-term ones. Because bear in mind, even if they're down in value today, if you hold them until they mature, you get their face value. Now, if for some reason you need to do some tax loss selling, although I can't imagine the losses are big enough to really make much of a difference, you know, t- talk to your accountant and see if you need to take a loss. But uh, otherwise, you're just time in the market. You're trying to be in the right place at the right time. And again, doing it by looking in the rearview mirror. You are trying to decide where you're driving while looking solely in the rearview mirror. Because no matter how much you think you know, you don't know what's going to happen. Oh, well, you know, I'm just going to wait. I'm going to put my money in one-year CDs, and uh, I'm going to wait until uh, until rates go up a little bit higher, and then I'm going to get in those longer-term ones. No, just be diversified from the get-go. I know it's boring. I know you guys hate it. It's so dull. Please, Don, Tom, tell me to do something. I hate just doing this boring stuff. Use your brain for something else. Find something else that your brain wants to think about. Take a course in something. Learn something new. Take on a hobby. I don't care. But quit using your brain to think about the market because you're just going to make yourself crazy. And in a lot of cases, you're going to make yourself poorer because you're always reacting to events that have already happened. Because come on, be honest with yourself. Be honest, please. Do you know 
what the future is going to bring? Do you know it? No, don't tell me. Oh, I, I, I've studied it. I, I kind of, you know, of course, everybody knows this is going to happen. No, nobody knows anything is going to happen. Quit lying to yourselves. Stop it. You need to slap yourself up a, upside the head. Stop it. Send in your questions. TalkingRealMoney.com. Contact form. Next one right now. Hey, guys. Recently listened to the Too Large to Be Small podcast and learned a lot. But I was wondering if there would be... Uh, a time that you would compare V-I-O-V to A-V-U-V. On the podcast, you looked at V-B-R, uh, and I agree it has a little bit too much of a mid-cap tilt for my portfolio. And so I just wondered your thoughts on V-I-O-V versus A-V-U-V as a uh, small value option. Thanks so much. Ooh, V-I-O-V. Good choice. Uh, VIOV is the uh, small cap 600 value index. Now, it has fewer stocks than AVUV. AVUV has about 750 small cap value stocks because they go a little bit larger. But bear in mind, the AVUV, the, the Avantis small cap value fund, is pretty much all small caps. It's just that the VIOV, the Vanguard uh, 600 small cap value, <laughs> is is even smaller so it's a smaller small but it's not a more value valuey value the avantis has a bigger value tilt than the uh the viov just a bit but great choice it's great fund it would certainly be a very appropriate small cap value fund to own in a portfolio because you still own about 450 different stocks so the diversification is very good and they are there are more micro caps in there so it's going to be more aggressive it's going to be more risky but it should possibly be just a little more lucrative it also has a slightly lower expense ratio and that's always a good thing so thank you for sharing that with us i really truly appreciate it and please keep sending in your questions at talkingrealmoney.com on the contact form speaking them is the best part we love that and don't forget to call tom tomorrow well okay i'm putting this up on friday don't forget to call us on saturdays from 3 to 5 Eastern, noon to 2 Pacific, on the Talking Real Money live radio show in the Pacific Northwest. And you can participate no matter where you are. You just have to call 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. And please tell friends, please tell people you run into, because you know you get into financial conversations. And instead of arguing with them, say, oh, uh, you know, I, I don't want to argue with you. Go call Tom and Don or go listen to Tom and Don. Because you know a lot of these people are wrong. They really are. <laughs> Thanks for being there. I really appreciate you a great deal and uh, hope you'll be back again really, really soon. Take care. I'm Don, Talking Real Money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time. So please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future. So past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial product or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Capital, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. Are we done now?